Otto von Bismarck Schönhausen was born in 1815 on All Fool's Day. His contemporaries might usefully have taken more account of this conjunction, but no doubt they were deceived by his very solid ancestry, on his father's side at least. Even when it was clear that he was the joker in the pack, they went on thinking of him as a Prussian and a Junker above all. Certainly he did a great deal to encourage this misunderstanding, frequently asserting his faith in the austere Prussian virtues and raising Prussian power and glory to unimagined heights. Few noticed that he was using Prussia to raise himself, and such was his hypnotic persuasiveness that fewer still found it odd when this most disobedient and disloyal of monarchists exalted the traditional Prussian qualities of honor, obedience, loyalty, courage. Courage he possessed absolutely, but he used the throne as his footstool and ridiculed his king to foreign diplomats and others. Even when in 1866 he contrived a revolutionary civil war in the name of that king who had stubbornly resisted it, few seriously questioned his credentials as a conservative. The matter of honor is more complex. It is probable that this was a concept he did not understand, except in the dualist's sense. Certainly he came to confuse cynicism with honesty, while his marvelous freedom from Kant was so conspicuously exploited that it generated its own sort of Kant. He developed rather slowly into the supreme political virtuoso of his age, but perhaps his most remarkable gift was his skill in convincing others of his own infallibility. To his brilliance was added, when he chose to bring it forward, much charm, and with his coarse, brutal, and bullying ways went in his early days great delicacy of feeling. Some of his letters to his wife, before and after marriage, are among the best ever written. High-spirited, sparkling, enchanting, good. His courage, limitless, was of a special kind, the varieties of which have been insufficiently explored. I mean the courage which enables its possessor to stand alone against the world, and which appears to depend on an unquestioning conviction of personal rectitude. There are many colors and shades of this sort of courage, which has been the mark of saints and holy martyrs, as well as some of the most unpleasant men who have ever lived. But although Bismarck exhibited to a greater or lesser degree those insufferable characteristics which are common to all self-consciously great men who set themselves up above their fellows, in him there were strong disarming features. For example, to important matters he could more often than not bring a sense of proportion unusual in a genius. He was a past master in the arts of the possible. His megalomania lacked the uncomprehending purity which distinguished the megalomania of, again for example, those deluded and deluding scourges of modern times, Napoleon Bonaparte, Lenin, Hitler. He protested too much and argued too much. On another level, he ate too much and paraded too much. One has only to speculate on the compulsions which drove this nerve-ravaged prince of diplomacy and civilian subtlety to make himself ill with overeating and get himself up so preposterously in spiked helmet and cavalry jackboots, his gigantic figure a caricature of nineteenth-century militarism, to understand at once that here was a very complex man who never, with all his dazzling renown, managed to satisfy himself. 
His courage was not the courage of the boring, great leader, unspeculatively advancing to destruction in the conviction of his own infallibility. He never believed that he knew the answer to everything. It was, rather, that when he made up his mind to a thing, the fact that he had done so made him right. What he prided himself upon above all was the instinct that enabled him, he believed, to sense the movement of history so that he could profit by a process of which others were oblivious. Or he would say that he listened for God's footfall, and seized the hem of his garment as it brushed by invisibly. He created and propagated his own legend, of course. But it takes two to make a legend, and the people of Prussia, then of all Germany, far from questioning this most remarkable fantasy, after initial scepticism, rushed to embrace it and make it their own.